0: Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. I'd like to start this morning by sharing a video with you. This is a commercial actually. And this commercial is the newest Levi's commercial. If you've been watching the Flames games lately, you will have seen it on TV. This commercial is for their 501 jeans, a classic. And it is titled, The Greatest Story Ever Worn. And it's very short. So this is a spiritual exercise in paying attention. So take a look. When the whipple wills And the evening is night I'm so happy in my blue heaven Just take a turn to the right You'll see a little white light It'll lead you to my blue heaven The greatest story ever worn. Uh, Now I don't know that I've actually chosen my burial outfit yet, let alone what I want all of you to wear, but uh, of all the seasons of the church to think about it, I suppose this is the right one. uh, Ashes to ashes, if you will. I do, however, have pieces of clothing, pieces of material of various kinds that symbolize to me the fullness of my life. And when I say the fullness of life, I think I'm defining it a little bit like our Levi's marketing team. These scraps of fabric point to the abundance of life that I have lived. And they also point to various forms of death. I think about something I have at home, like my Canucks jersey. I'm from Vancouver, but I don't live there anymore. And that journey was wild. I think about my wedding dress, but I'm not married anymore. That journey was wild. I think about a baby blanket that I have pictures and pictures of myself with my grandfather holding me in, but he is not with us anymore. And that journey was wild. And you might look at that pile of material when you come over, it smells like moth balls, it's in a cedar chest, I'm never going to wear it again except for maybe the Canucks jersey and you just might see a pile of material. But I see life, and I see death over and over. I see the things that I have worn in the wilderness. Over the next six weeks between now and Palm Sunday, you are each of you invited to bring to this place a physical piece of fabric that represents the fullness of your life in all its joys and sorrows and this is important you have to be willing to part with it it can be a teeny tiny square you can just snip off the corner it can be symbolic you have your dad's lumberjack jacket but you also happen to have a napkin that's got plaid on it that will do it can be symbolic But we want you to bring something. It can be next week. It can be four weeks from now. We have the whole season. And I want you to bring it with you and deposit it in a receptacle that we will make very obvious at the back of the church. And over the season of Lent, you will see before your eyes a tapestry being created of our wilderness. A beautiful banner that represents the fullness of our lives so that in the darkness on the rocky paths on the desolate shore you can see you can see that you are never alone that is our Lenten practice as this community and I hope that you will endeavor it with us let us pray Holy One, we wear layers in this life to protect us from the wild. Help us shed these as we are able and open ourselves up to new experiences of you. And may the words of my mouth today and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen so on Wednesday evening this past week we as a people who are following this Christian story entered the wilderness whether you were here for Ash Wednesday service or not you have entered the wilderness maybe you began it on Tuesday with pancakes the beginning of this journey was marked by ashes they're placed on our foreheads to remind ourselves that from which or from whom we came we shall one day return i am on my way i am on my way genesis 3 19 in our hebrew bible says you are dust and to dust you shall return and this word dust a par in hebrew means quite literally the earth or the dirt when we think about the wilderness i know we each have a different image in mind. Mine has cactus, and if you were here last week, you know what Levi's and cactus have to do with my wilderness. But the thing each of these wild landscapes have in common is this one element, the dirt. The dirt. Sorry, Anne. <laughs> I'll clean it up. whether that dirt is symbolic in your wilderness or whether it is quite literally the dirt, it is present. The wilderness is not a clean place. It is not a pristine place or light place or demure place. It is not an easy place. It is wild. And one of the reasons it is so wild is that we always seem to find ourselves in it alone. Cheryl Strayed, wild. Chris McCandless, into the wild. Jack London, the call of the wild. Or maybe this wild is more spiritual. Maybe this is a vision quest. Maybe this is the desert fathers and mothers practicing an aesthetic form of spirituality, the hermitages in the wilderness. But there's one thing we've known perhaps too well over the past few years. And that is being alone. And not just the aloneness that has come from needing to remain separate from one another during the pandemic but the aloneness that has come from the wildness of our lives continuing to happen despite the wildness of the community that we are also in life did not stop being life death did not stop being death just because we as a world were collectively in the wilderness too and it doesn't feel like we've reconnected yet we're getting there we're getting there but it's not the same we've been talking a lot about what our collective wilderness is right now this Lenten season you've heard the past three years the lentiest lent that ever lented (sighs) that's been the theme for the past few years it feels like and we haven't got out of it yet this Lenten journey, the wilderness of our lives, it's inevitable and it is lonely enough. Our personal wilderness, be it physical or spiritual or relational or illness related or death and grief related or fear and vulnerability related, these are lonely enough journeys. And more than anything right now, we need to know we are not alone. I want us to look closely at our first line of today's scripture passage. Our passage says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Right away, we are told one key element of the story. While this was something Jesus was doing on his own. He was in the company. Of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, he was following the beckoning of the Holy Spirit. He was led. An American pastor named Eddie Davidson writes that when we enter the wilderness, we go through three stages. And the first is that we go through a stage of separation. This is the call of the wild. What is leading you deeper into the wilderness you are in right now? Is it a yearning for a new landscape? Is it a doubting or deconstructing of your faith beliefs, of the things you've known to be true? Is it physical separation from a loved one or a change in relationship that really matters? Is it a diagnosis (laughs) or an emergence of depression? Is it a brush with your own mortality or grief of another death? Is it the courageous path of vulnerability? What is leading you into the wilderness right now? And can you stop the resistance and let it? Theologian and Professor Belden Lane would call this stage the purgation. He says one initially enters the desert to be stripped of self purged by its relentless deprivation of everything we once considered important. But to be stripped of the self does not mean we are left to ourselves. Jesus was led by the spirit. We are hand in hand with God in everything we are encountering. And the work of holiness is not just in the purity of our lives. It is in the dirt. We are not entering the wilderness because we deserve punishment or because we did something wrong. The wilderness exists to lead us closer to God. And it is in the dirt where we most authentically meet one another. To ask for help requires a humility that only the wilderness provides. To show up for someone who needs help requires an understanding that only the wilderness provides. The wilderness is what we each had in common. Jesus was not exempt from the dirt. The second stage of inhabiting the wilderness is preparation. Our scripture says Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he was famished. It was then the tempter came to him. It is only when we are starved that the unrighteous has the power to look good. And it is only when the unrighteous looks good that we get to grow. The tempter came and said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Holocaust survivor and psychologist, Viktor Frankl writes, We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances or to choose one's own way. Jesus had as much an opportunity as anyone to succumb to the devil's alluring promises and it is here we are reminded again that we are not alone in the dirt of our desires. Get me out easy. I don't wanna be here. I don't wanna feel this way. It's not fair. It's always me. I can't take it anymore. Someone who could boast divinity, who could exercise power, Instead, chose the harder path. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. To Moses, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. To Joshua, God said, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. To Isaiah, God said, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. Jesus holds fast to the presence of God in the dirt of the wild because the choice to be faithful to those who are making the choice to be faithful to us is what it means to be in relationship we choose life for ourselves and for one another even here Belden Lane refers to this stage as the illumination. We enter a place where we can see all that glitters, all that could glitter. And instead, we choose God. Notice how those two things are not the same. The third stage of our experience in the wilderness is the revelation. There is a revealing of the communion of saints when we choose to keep walking through the wilderness. Jesus said to the devil, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. I think this week on the one year anniversary of the Soviet invasion of Ukraine of all those seeking asylum here and the wilderness they are in. I was speaking to a congregant earlier this week who's been heavily involved in our Ukrainian ministry and the other day was telling me about the moment of bewilderment that overcame them. When they thought about the fact there were people lining up in gymnasiums halfway around the world from their homes with nothing but a need to start over. That's the wilderness. And in it were hundreds of hands from this community alone who showed up to help, revealing the love of God in the face of such horror and Angels waited on him. Yesterday in this sanctuary, we celebrated the life of Meredith Gillespie, Anne's mom. And Anne gave the most beautiful tribute to her life. And shared a lot of wisdom imparted on her by her mother. And it was southern wisdom, so you know it was good and faithful. And one piece struck me. It was about friendship. Her mom would talk about friendship using the analogy of a bucket of water. Friends hold the bucket together if the path gets rocky. They steady the bucket together if you're losing grip. And if the path gets barren, friends fill the bucket. And there are times on the path when the devil might try to poke holes in the bucket and we have to keep extra vigilant that our loved ones stay hydrated. And we need to be careful that we do not poke holes in one another's buckets. When we emerge from the wilderness, and we each will over and over and over again, it's not one journey, it is understandable that we will have forgotten how to people. But we have not forgotten how to see. We have not forgotten how to serve. We've not forgotten how to love. Lane would call this part of the wilderness journey, the unity. Jesus let the angels wait on him, not because he was someone special, but because he was in need. We are each in need. There are forces in this world, real ones that are trying to empty our buckets. But through our own experiences, our own vulnerability, we can help one another. Our individual journeys in the wild, those scraps of fabric, they are what create community. That is what the Bible is. Wilderness stories written to share wisdom, written so we might learn, written so we might find encouragement. Wilderness stories told so that we do not feel alone. When we let The dust-covered material of our lives fly like a banner above the places we gather. We make it known to all who encounter us. The journey you are on is your own. But you are never alone. Whoever you are, wherever you are at, join us on this journey. May it be so. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.